We're going to talk about a topic today. We're going to talk about how to increase your faith. So I'm going to start by telling a story about a dog. So we had, uh, we, we currently have multiple dogs, um, but one of the dogs that we no longer have was named Conan, and this dog loved to play fetch. Now, how many of you have ever played fetch with a dog? I'm seeing most of the hands. Uh, if, you've, if you've done this online, go ahead and put a comment in there. Um, we had this dog. He loved to play fetch. Now, how many of you have ever, like, faked out your dog? <laughs> uh, by these laughter, I know you've done it. So you take the tennis ball or the stick or whatever it is, and you're like, do you see it? Do you see it? And the dog's like, yes, yes, yes. And then you... Make like you're going to throw it, and the dog, like, is so used, he just takes off running. You know, you stick that behind your back, and the dog is just running around there, like, looking, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go, where'd it go? And they're, they're trying to find the stick. Conan, like, I remember a particular time when we were in the woods, he just, he'd find a stick. It's like, and you know he knows the difference, because he can smell like, I have never touched that stick. But he's like, well, I, I need to bring him back a stick. I want him to be happy. I need to bring him back a stick. He wants a stick. So I can see the dog, and I can just think it in his mind. I can just imagine how he's like, well, well, I need to bring him a stick, so I'll just bring him this stick. And he grabs a stick, and he brings it back. And, you know, it's funny. It's simple. But I realize some Christians have that mindset about God and faith. They feel like sometimes... They're out there looking for something, like, I want to have, did, is it even possible? Did God even, like, did he even throw the stick? Is there anything I can do to, to, to have faith, or, or does, it, does he just, sometimes I can, and sometimes I can't? And so, let's go there. Romans chapter 10, verse 17 or actually, I want to open with Hebrews eleven six. 6. It says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. How profound is that? God says, if we desire to please him, how many of you desire to please him? I do. If we desire to please him, we must have faith. Without faith, it is impossible. Now, here's the thing. If we're trying to please God, and faith is something that we may or may not be able to get, then wouldn't some of us just be up a creek without a paddle? And some Christians kind of feel like they're out there looking for a stick that maybe didn't even get thrown. They're like, oh, I'd like to have faith, but, but I, I don't know how to get it. I don't know how to find it. To bring the analogy of the dog a little farther, I don't know well, what it smells like. But God does give us a way to have faith. If he, if he required that to please him, then it wouldn't have been ethical of him to then say, well, some of you can have it, some of you can't. No, he makes it clear, we can. So, there is a way to produce faith. And we have steps that we can take. The Bible says in Romans 10, 17, it says, Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message or the word, depending on which translation you're reading, and the message or the word is heard from the word of God. Paul said that we are saved by faith. 
He said in Ephesians 2, 8, he said, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So, we desire to have faith, and God says that it comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. If I desire to have faith, I need to have heard something. I can't have faith in something I know nothing about. Romans 8, 10, or 10, verses 8 through 10 says, but what does it say? Talking about righteousness and faith. It says, the word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is, writ- it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. Your heart believes and your mouth confesses. We're talking about faith. We're talking about what makes up faith. What does faith look like? How can we recognize if we have it, if we don't have it, if we want it? Where do we go to get it? The Bible says that faith is what we used to become a Christian. When we heard the gospel, the good news of what he had done, when we believed in our hearts, and then when we confessed with our mouth. Romans 8, or 10, 13 says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. They called out, and they, all of them, how many of them? All of them. Now let's look at verse 14. How can they call on the one They have not believed in. And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? Then comes that verse we already read. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of God. Faith comes from hearing Hearing comes from the Word of God. If I want to grow my faith, I need to hear God's Word on that topic. And I say God's Word because (laughs) we want faith in His Word. But you can have faith in something other than God. You can believe and put your trust in something other than than God. But what we want is to have faith in His Word. And I I like what this Scripture says. It says, okay, how can they call on the one they haven't believed in? So if, if confessing my faith in God is that last act that obtains salvation through faith for me, we're going to reverse engineer faith. Are you following? 
He says, how can you call on someone you haven't believed in? So calling out, speaking, is a step of faith, but there's a step before it. The step before calling out and speaking is believing. But how can you believe in someone or something you have not heard about? So there's a step before that that is the hearing. And how can you hear lest someone speaks to you? We've just seen faith reverse engineered. So let's apply that to us. If I desire faith. Now, here's, here's the thing. When we say faith, it's this big, like, nebulous term. Faith. But faith is a belief you have spoken that you obtained somewhere. Do you see how we're, we're going back? So you can have faith for salvation. How do you... We, we understand that one, so let's dissect that one. How do you act in faith to obtain salvation? First... You hear somewhere that salvation exists. You hear the gospel, the good news. You learn, you know what? I'm lost. Or someone tells you that you're lost. But honestly, if you just hear it, that's not enough. Because some people hear it and don't believe it. But you heard the gospel, that you were a sinner, that you needed forgiveness. And you chose to believe that. Step one was hearing. Step two was believing. Step three was speaking, acting on the belief that you received from what you heard. Here's the deal. You now, and already most of you know, how to be saved. You know how to have faith for salvation. But what about faith for healing? What about faith for prosperity? What about faith for protection? What about faith for your relationships? What about faith for all of the other things that are in the Scripture that God has spoken to you and promised to you? And what about faith to fulfill the call that God has on your life? What about, do you realize faith is faith, but we can have, there's some of us, we have, we are rock solid, we had faith to get saved, but then we didn't grow our faith in any other area. I've, I've talked about the, the jokes on the internet about people who skip leg day. And they've got their, their upper bodies all built up because they're working out, but then they never exercise their legs. That's what some of us have done in our faith life. 
we have a favorite topic that we constantly build our faith with. But then there's these other areas where like, well, I'm, not just, I'm just not going to go there. It's interesting the story in Acts of Cornelius. In verse 11, it says that the angel showed Cornelius. It says, and he showed us how Cornelius had seen an angel in his house, which stood and said unto him, send men to Joppa and call for Simon, whose surname is Peter, who shall tell you words thereby or whereby you and your house will be saved. An angel came to this man, said, go send for Peter. He's going to come, and he's going to tell you words by which you will be saved. Did the words save him? Was it the words? No, but without them, without that knowledge, he wouldn't have had something to put his faith in. How does faith for healing come? It comes the same way as faith for salvation comes. Acts chapter 14, verse 7. It says, where they continued to preach the gospel. Verse 8. In Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw that he had faith to be healed, called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul didn't heal that man. Who healed that man? God. It was ultimately God's power. Let's go back and read that verse. Where they continued to preach the gospel in Lystra, there sat a man who was lame. He had been there from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking. Paul looked directly at him, saw he had faith to be healed, and called out, stand up on your feet. At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Paul didn't heal him. That man was healed by his faith in what Paul had said. What was it that Paul said? Verse 7 says, they preached the gospel, the good news. Paul did three things. Paul preached, Paul perceived the man had faith, and he told the man to get up and walk. He told him to take action on the faith that Paul saw growing in him. The man did three things. He heard Paul preach. He heard the word. He had faith. But that's the word, that's that term that to many of us doesn't mean anything. To have faith. What, is, what does that mean? He believed to be true that which he heard. He accepted as truth what he heard. He didn't just hear words. In, in Spanish, they say, te cayó el veinte, which literally translated means, 
the 20 fell. But it's, and I don't know why it's said that way, but it just means that it's like you realize, you accept the truth. It's like, you know, sometimes you've, you've heard something and then suddenly it clicks. And you're like, yes, I believe that to be true. Do you guys remember the story of the woman with the issue of blood? In Mark chapter 3, or 5, verse 34, Jesus said to that woman who'd just been healed, he said, daughter, your faith has made you whole. How? How does... Isn't it interesting? We, we kind of have this idea that Jesus was the one healing people, but Jesus said it was their faith. Have you ever thought about that? We, we, in our minds, we just say, you know, well, Jesus healed them. Oh, Paul healed them. I have prayed for people who were healed. I have never healed anybody. I have been present. I have, I have exercised my faith, and I've seen people be healed. I have watched as people exercise their own faith, and I've seen them be healed. I have never, ever, ever healed anybody. Jesus says that the woman, her faith made her whole. Is there something about the gospel that is capable of healing a cripple? Yes. Yes, there is. But does that mean that I can just put the recorded scriptures on and go to sleep and I wake up and everything is fixed? Decidedly, no. The power... Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes. First to the Jew, then to the Gentile. Think about that for a second. The power to heal is in God's word, in that message. But there is a step for us to take. We, we have to hear it and we have to believe it. We have to have faith in it. The woman who had the issue of the blood for 12 years is, is actually in a couple of places in Scripture. She's in Mark 5, Luke chapter 8, and Matthew chapter 9. I'll tell this story. And it talks about how in, in Mark 5, it says that she had had this condition for 12 years and that she had spent all of her money on doctors. But instead of getting better, she had grown worse. Mark 27, I think it says, when she heard of Jesus, she came and she pressed in behind and she touched his garment for she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be whole. And it's interesting 
One of the translations says, but if I touch just the hem of her garment. How many of you guys remember that verse that way? If I touch the hem of her garment. Well, the hem of the garment is just the edge. You know, it's just the bottom. It's like, okay. You know, I, I always understood that to mean, well, if I just touch the smallest, if I can just get to the furthest part of his clothing from him, that will be enough because he's, woo, so powerful. That's, that's what I thought, and I, I don't think that's a bad understanding of the Scripture. But someone pointed this out to me, and I was just blown away. So, how many of you remember the Scripture in Psalms that says, there is healing in His wings? You ever heard that one? Wings, when I think of wings, I think of bird wings. But that same word for wings in the Old Testament was used to describe the bottom, the hem of the garments of the priest. And that verse said that the Messiah would have healing in his wings. This woman heard about Jesus. She believed he is the Messiah. And, of course, if he's the Messiah, where was there going to be healing? In her garments. Not only was she believing that Jesus had the power to heal, but she was declaring, I believe him to be the Messiah. And as the Messiah, the Scriptures tell me there is healing in his wings. So if I can just touch his wings, I'll be healed. This woman heard, what did she hear? She heard enough to know who Jesus was. And then she believed. She believed he was the Messiah. And when she believed he was the Messiah, then everything that was true about the Messiah was obviously true about him. And she went out there. And Jesus said, he doesn't say, whoa, I just healed somebody. He says, who touched me? I felt virtue come out of me. This story, for many of us, it rocks our understanding and our world about how faith works. So many Christians have this idea that faith is like, it's like one of those gumball machines that you'd put 25 cents into and it would drop down a little thing and you'd pop it open and find out if you got anything worthwhile. And, and, and Christians who are like going to church just wondering, you know, God, what are you going to give me? What are you going to give me? Oop, nothing special today. Maybe next week. So many of us had this idea that everything is coming from God to me and I have nothing to do with what happens. But then we watch the story of the woman whose faith made her well. And we see the story 
of Paul, who, or Peter, excuse me, who recognized that person had faith. It, it wasn't Jesus seeking that woman out. Now here, I want to make another point. There are times when Jesus sought people out. We have two stories. I consider them almost opposite of each other. So we have the story of that woman who she heard, she saw, she believed, she acted out on her belief, and she was healed, and Jesus didn't even know what happened. He literally says, who touched me? And the disciples are like, what do you mean? You're in a big crowd. Tons of people are touching you. He says, no, I felt virtue flow out of me. Somebody just touched me. And she says, well, it was me. And she tells her story. And Jesus says, your faith has made you well. And then we have the story of Jesus at the pool of Bethesda, where he goes and there's sick people everywhere. And he presumably walks by several sick people, sees one in particular, and says to him, do you want to be well? Oh, yes, I do. But I've been here, and he tells his whole story, and I've been here all this time. And, and when, <clears throat> in case you're not familiar with the Bible story, that particular pool, an angel would come and touch the water, stir the water, and the first person in would get healed. And so sick people would crowd around and just wait for waves. And then they'd try to get in, be the first one in. And he says, well, I've been here and I've been trying for years, but I can never be the first one in because I don't have anyone to help me. Now, Jesus heals him, then leaves, then they come and ask him about it, and he doesn't even know enough about Jesus to tell him who did it. So are there times when God acts and comes in and heals someone who, who didn't know? I mean, that guy, he didn't have faith. He didn't even know who he was talking to. And it's like, it's like as a church, that's the only story we remember. And so Christians are sitting around just waiting, hoping that that be the situation that happens to them. But in Scripture, God also shows us how we can take an active part and grow our faith. We, like the, the woman with the issue of blood, can hear the gospel, we can believe in it, and we can step out, we can speak, and we can take action on our faith, and we can see His supernatural response to our faith. Our faith can also make us well. She, it's in verse 34, he says, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace, freed from your suffering. Where did she get the faith? Well, in verse 27, it's just like what the, the verse we reverse engineered. 
when we look back at what happens to faith, in verse 27, she heard about Jesus. She believed that it was true. And then she stepped forward and declared it. A lot of Christians, when they pray for healing, say, if it be thy will. When did Jesus use the phrase, if it be thy will? It was in the Garden of Gethsemane when he was talking about, it was a prayer of consecration, he was talking about his purpose in life. If it be thy will, let this pap, cup pass from me. Remember that? And, and, and then he says, okay, but if it be your will, I'll go out and I'll do this. That was not a prayer of faith. That was a prayer of consecration. And we've talked about those differences here before. I don't remember the date or exactly the title we had on it. Otherwise, I'd send you to, to go to that message. And you can look up the whole thing because I don't have the time to go into the whole bit. But there are more than one kind of prayer. Just like there's more than one type of sport. Basketball isn't played with football rules and, and soccer isn't played with ping pong rules, but they're all sports. Not every prayer is the same. The prayer of faith does not say, if it be thy will. The prayer of faith is the prayer that we have when we already know and believe God's will. Where do we learn God's will? Concerning that which we declare the prayer of faith over. In God's word. If I desire to have a prayer, a faith-filled prayer, then what do I need to do? I need to hear the truth that applies to my situation. Matthew 8.17 says that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah, the prophet, saying, He himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. Peter 2.24 says, Who in his own self bore our sins in his body on the tree, that we being dead to sins should live in righteousness, by whose stripes ye were healed, or you have been healed. Isaiah 53, 4. Surely he took our pain and bore our sufferings. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. God has put in his word the promise, the declaration of what he has done. He says, Jesus was punished 
not for his transgressions, but for ours. It was his stripes, and when it says stripes, it's referring to the the whippings that he received, the stripes that were left on his back when he was whipped before going to the cross. That punishment that he received for sin he never committed was payment for your sin and my sin. The Bible says that it is by those stripes you and I are healed. Notice it doesn't even say can be healed, could be healed, would be healed, might be healed. Those stripes healed us. Some of us are just hearing that, and it's like the, the audio is just going. And it's just, you know. Other people, like the woman with the issue of blood, they hear that, and, we, and they're like, wait a minute. I see what that means. That means if he died for my sin, then I am forgiven. And all I have to do is speak up, confess that what he's done, and that forgiveness applies to me. If you have ever accepted God's forgiveness for your sin, I want you to raise your hand right now. That's most of us here. You know what that means? That means that we already know how to use faith. We understand how it works. We've done it before. But many of us didn't realize how to apply it to something other than salvation. We didn't, we didn't wait and say, okay, well, maybe, maybe if I'm lucky, God will save me. I hope it happens this week. Well, I guess I better come back next week and see if he saves me again next week. No, we, we, we get it. It's not... I don't earn my salvation. I just accept it through faith. It's a free gift. That's what Ephesians 2.8 says. If you're here and you have never believed and confessed that Jesus bore your punishment for your sin and asked for forgiveness for your sins, I want to give you a chance right now. If you're watching at home, I want to give you that same chance. If you believe that Jesus was punished for not his sin, because he had no sin, for your sin, and offers you forgiveness of sin and eternal life, we're going to do exactly what that verse says. We're going to confess and we're going to pray and we're going to receive salvation right now. If that's you, I invite you to, to say this with me. If, it's not, if you've said it before, let's say it with them. Dear God, I believe that Jesus died on the cross. He suffered for my sin. I accept your forgiveness. 
I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, I want to take a few minutes. If you're here today and you believe that by his stripes you were healed, I want to give you a chance to come down and we're going to do precisely what the scripture says. The scripture talks about if any of you are sick, let him go to the elders of the church, let them lay hands on you and pray for you. God says he sent Jesus who suffered, died, his stripes healed you. The healing is there. He's the Messiah. I can't heal you. He already did. Just like he died on on the cross for your sins and all it took was putting faith and action to that which to, to appropriate salvation for you, we want to appropriate healing for you tonight. If you're at home, then you can pray along with us. But if there's anybody here who wants to pray a prayer of faith for healing in your body, I want to invite you to stand up and come forward tonight. If you're at home watching, I want you to imagine that you're here and we're going to reach out and we're going to pray and we're going to declare that the truth we know in Scripture applies to us. We're going to pray together. My wife and I are going to complete what the Scripture says. We're going to go by. We're going to lay hands on each and every one of you. But I want you to understand the power is in His stripes. That's where that power is. Okay? I'm going to pray once with everyone that's at home and everyone that's here, and then we're going to work our way through. Okay? If you guys want to just keep keep playing. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you for the promises that your word gives us. We thank you that by your stripes we were healed. We recognize that not only did you forgive our sins, but you destroyed the work of the devil. You gave us authority over sickness and disease. We rebuke sickness. We rebuke disease from every person here. Lord, we rebuke any virus, any bacteria, any cancer cell, any malignant growth, anything that is not right there. We declare it has no place in that body that is blessed and covered by the blood of Jesus. In Jesus' name, be healed and be whole. And to those who are at home, the same applies. We declare the blood of Jesus over each and every one of you. 